This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. For those just tuning in, you're listening to a special on Medicare for All, where we're taking a close look at how new proposals to reform healthcare would affect the healthcare industry and regular people in need of care. I'm John Barquette, and this is Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on SiriusXM 132. I'd now like to welcome our next guest, Matt Isles, the president and CEO of America's Health Insurance Plans, the National Trade Association representing private insurance companies. Matt, thanks for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me, John. Matt, tell us about uh, America's Health Insurance Plans, or, or AHIP. Sure. I mean, as you briefly mentioned, uh, we're the National Trade Association that represents the health insurance uh, provider community. So that includes companies that operate at a national level. It includes Blue Cross Blue Shield plans. It includes uh, regional plans that might just operate in a particular region of the country. And it also includes other types of insurance companies that might offer supplemental products. And tell us, where does AHIP stand on Medicare for All? Sure. Uh, We have uh, major concerns about Medicare for All. I think if you just step back for a moment uh, and look at, uh, you know, the proposals that are out there, I think the level of change and disruption, um, and more importantly, the consequences for consumers and patient care would be really detrimental. Um, You know, we think that moving towards um, a government-driven system uh, would not be the right solution. If you think about all of the innovation and change that's happening across the healthcare system, um, and health insurers in particular, um, by having the government uh, lead, run, and operate the system, uh, we would really be taking a big step back in terms of patient care and quality uh, and, and a lot of other downstream implications that would be happy to, to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So you mentioned consequences for care. Let's say we enacted a, the sort of Bernie Sanders-style Medicare for All plan that Jonathan Cohn and I were just talking about. This is where uh, a government-run plan would take over administering basically all of health insurance for all Americans. Uh, what consequences for care are you suggesting that that would have? Sure. I, I think there would be significant quant- consequences in terms of access, uh, in terms of quality, in terms of the type of coverage and innovation that you would see, uh, longer wait times uh, for you know really poorer care at the end of the day. Let's just step back for a second and think about an issue like the growing use of telemedicine and telehealth. Um, do you really think that under a government-driven system we would move towards uh, you know the ability of being able to access care on demand through technology? Um, through all of the changes by way of, you know, care coordination, it would really be a step back uh, by way of having a government-driven system that's really based on a 1960s, you know, 20th century model of care, not the future that I think Americans want to see for our healthcare system. Yeah, and I think a lot of the frustration comes from the fact that while that those technologies exist today, not everybody today can access those. You know, it depends, sort of depends on where you are in our country and what type of health insurance you have, wh- whether or not you have access to these types of innovations. So how is it that more people can have access to these things if not through a government-run plan? Uh, I think the private sector and the private insurance industry is investing heavily heavily in terms of uh, enhanced access to these kinds of innovative technologies and services. I mean, look at a program like the Medicare Advantage program, uh, which is run by private insurers rather than the traditional Medicare fee-for-service original Medicare program. 
Um, Medicare Advantage plans, which are now about uh, more than 35% of all Medicare beneficiaries are enrolled in them, are providing access to all sorts of innovative treatments, uh, services, uh, through whether it be telehealth, care coordination, um, supplemental benefits to provide, you know, in-home nutrition, um, even things like, uh, you know, ramps and fall bars that the government program is not, not providing. Um, similarly, in, in Medicaid, which serves over 80 million uh, Americans and, and more than 60 million of whom are in a private Medicaid managed care uh, organization, are also providing um, access to these kinds of innovative uh, uh, treatments, services, technologies um, that you're not going to see in, in a government-driven solution. Just finally, you know, the employer market uh, with you know, more than 180 million Americans covered through employer-sponsored coverage, the vast majority of individuals who are covered through those plans or through the Obamacare exchange market plans um, you know, do have access. The question is, you know, in certain rural areas, maybe it's it's harder to to access, you know, certain treatments and services. But that's actually where something like telehealth can can help extend care. Um, and I don't think we're going to see that if uh, if the government's running the healthcare system. You talked about Medicare Advantage. I wanted to ask you this question: um, Medicare Advantage competes alongside a, a public option, which is original Medicare, which is what a lot of people think of when they think of Medicare prior to becoming Medicare eligible. Would you support having private health plans compete against a public option in the Obamacare marketplaces? Well, I think it it really depends on what you're talking about. The public option in the Obamacare marketplaces is really trying to leverage, you know, sort of a, a government price control system against a you know a, a competitive landscape and to compete. I think on what would really not be a level playing field. Really, what they're trying to do is to grab on to, you know, much lower rates that the government pays in, say, the Medicare program or letting people buy into Medicaid, you know, rather than having the, the, the competitive, you know, private market work. You know, the Affordable Care Act um, exchanges clearly have faced challenges that stem all the way back to the last administration. You can't really just point the finger at, at the current administration and, and blame all of the, you know, the problems with the individual market. It really stems back to decisions that were being made know, in, in 2012 and 2013 and, and challenges along the way. We think that there's a path forward to fix those, um, to fix that market and have it work, you know, much like the employer market and the, or Medicare Advantage market more effectively. And we think that that's a better way than trying to say, you know, let's have the government step in and create a, you know, a separate option here that's, that's publicly, you know, driven and run. But, but even in, though in Medicare, there, there is that public option, which Medicare Advantage plans do a really great job competing against. Um, if something if a structure like that, a, a similar playing field as in Medicare were to be introduced into the individual marketplace, would that be, would that be something that you would support given the success you've had with Medicare Advantage? Always in, it's a great question. Right? I think the devil's always in the details in terms of how it's structured and operated. You know, we, we had seen a, you know, a quasi- uh, sort of public options uh, that was part of the Affordable Care Act uh, come up through the so-called, you know, co-op plans, and, and they didn't, you know, fare very well. They didn't really know how to run or, or operate. Um, I, I think it really depends on how, how things would be structured. But I'd say, um, you know, we're, we're concerned about, you know, trying to create a, a government-run option side-by-side to a competitive private market option. We'd rather find ways to to make that private uh, option work rather than create a, you know, a new government mandated option. Matt, AHIP is a member of the Partnership for America's Healthcare Future. 
Can you tell us about that partnership and what it's advocating for? Sure. The, the Partnership for America's Healthcare Future is a coalition of uh, diverse healthcare stakeholders that represent um, companies from the health insurance side, so AHIP's a member, you know, other associations uh, that represent physician groups, that represent hospitals, even represent pharmaceutical companies, um, and individual uh, companies are also have are, are members that really want to highlight the challenges of a government-run uh, single-payer Medicare for all uh, type of approach. Um, we know from experience based on um, you know what's happened in in certain other countries and uh, that have you know gone down certain approaches to have a really government-driven solution um, you know rather than having a private market solution work, what the consequences are. And we want to make sure that people understand what it is that they would be signing up for because Medicare for all is a great, slogan and, and sounds simple and easy. And, you know, if you talk to the American public, you know, we've seen uh, the, the data suggest that there's a lot of support for the concept. Uh, the challenge, is, of course, is when you get into the, the details and, and what would it mean for me in my specific circumstances? Uh, you know, what would it, how would it actually work? Because if you think about our, our system today that has evolved over time, while it certainly can be improved and fixed, um, you know, there are reasons that the Medicare program was designed to serve a, a senior and a disabled population. The Medicaid program was designed to serve another population um, and, and make sure that we're, we're hitting on their needs. Um, and similarly, you know, the employer market is designed and operate a little bit differently for, a, you know, a working age population. And I think trying to force everything into a, a one-size-fits-all approach through uh, a Medicare program that was, you know, really designed uh, in, in the 1960s that has never truly been modernized um, would just lead to really devastating consequences for patient care, for how our health care system would operate um, longer term. Matt, I've got one more minute with you, and I want to ask you just one more question. I mean, I think sure. the push for Medicare for All in part is stemming from uh, a frustration amongst people that you know healthcare is so expensive and it's so complex, and people just don't understand how something so complex and so expensive could be the best way to do healthcare in America. You know, if someone asked you, Matt, you know, four years from now, I want to be paying less for healthcare, and I'd like it to be easier for me to use. What would you say we need to do to get there? It's it's the question of the day because healthcare is too expensive and it is too complicated. And we need to make it easier for uh, consumers and patients to navigate a system. And, and I think, and, and our industry thinks that health insurance uh, companies are going to play an important role longer term to really be the consumer and patient's advocate in the healthcare system to help them make the best decisions, to give them control over how they want to receive care. Um, and I think also by focusing on affordability um, and, and promoting a competitive system, we really need to get the problem in the United States is really around the price of healthcare and not the quantity consumed. And how can we make sure that healthcare providers, whether it be hospitals, pharmaceutical companies, are really competing um, and not being able to sort of exercise excess? Um, say, monopoly-type uh, uh, pricing ability to just charge ever and ever higher prices. We, need, we really need to bring things to the consumer level, and we need to make sure that we're promoting a system based on choice and competition. Matt Isles, thank you so much for joining the show today. 
Thanks for the opportunity, John. Have a good day. All right, you too. We need to take a short break. When we're back, we'll get the hospital's perspective. We'll hear from a Medicare for All advocate, and we'll consider the economic implications of moving to a single-payer system. I'm John Barquette, and you're listening to Medicare for All here on Sirius XM 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 